Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. The protests continue in regard to the death of George Floyd uh, last week. Yesterday was uh, it, a week had passed since his death, and this is still continuing yet. Uh, well, we'll talk about the President of the United States at a, at a later break. Um, we do when we touch on a more political aspect of this. But in the meantime, let's talk about uh, what this community is going through, the pain and and if this time uh, things will change. Let's bring in Dexter Voisin, Dean of Factor in Wentish, Faculty of Social Work and Professor, University of Toronto. And is with us now, author of America the Beautiful and Violent, Black Youth and Neighborhood Trauma in Chicago. Dexter is with us now. Dexter, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Yes, thank you so much for having me on the program. So, uh, Dexter, my first concern, we have seen this before, maybe not to the extent, maybe not brought to our attention, maybe not put in our face this way where it is in plain view the way it has been, although many may argue that. Uh, Is it different this time? Well, you know, I'm hoping it would be different this time. The reality is uh, these acts of structural and police violence have been happening across the United States for for over 200 years. Um, So it it goes all the way back to, to slavery, to Jim Crow, to the new Jim Crow, which is represented by the industrialized uh, prison population. You know, America is by far one of the the wealthiest, most influential uh, countries in the world. Um, You have millions of immigrants, refugees flocking to her shores, to the shiny city sitting on a hill. But as James Baldwin, uh, written so eloquently in the 1960s, he talks about the black child growing up in the shadows of the stars and stripes. And, And when you think about it, America has the highest child-infant mortality rate in the world, the highest rate of adult obesity, the highest prison industrial complex in the world, uh, the highest murder rate in the world among all of her industrialized peers. And in part, all of these ills are disproportionately born on the necks of black Americans, all right, who suffer these injustices. So this is called social activists, scientists, individuals like myself who, who study police violence, who is a part of the black community, talked about the existence of the two Americas. So, so this has existed for decades. Um, what we are seeing with George Floyd is something that we've seen time and time again. So it's really a matter of systemic racism, systemic social inequality that in many cases Americans and other folks around the world have become immune to. Someone has said that racism, systemic racism, is like dust particles in the air, that it's there, but we go blinded to it. And the only time that we really see it is when a light is shined on it. So the light that has been shined because of George Floyd's execution is now showing a light to something that has always been there. And let's not forget, it's not just in the United States, it's in, it's in Canada as well. So you can think about the indigenous people of Canada, there are some communities where there's no clean drinking water, right? And we're talking about this taking place in the midst of COVID-19. 
the lack of ability of communities to protect themselves because of structural and social inequality. So this is something that happens all around the globe, um, structural inequality. We have our challenges here in Canada, but certainly the challenges in the United States is linked to a global struggle around marginalized and subjugated groups. So will things happen? Will things change? Well, the reality is systems only respond to systems. So in order to make things change, we really need a systematic approach to respond to the system of social inequality. So marching is part of that, but we are also talking about economic boycotts that have to be a part of that. Every individual who believes in social justice also has to speak up to that, not just members of the black community, but members of the white community, of the brown community, of the indigenous communities. Celebrities need to be a part of that in terms of speaking out. So we really need a systematic response to systematic social inequality. And I'm hopeful that this time things will change, um, you know, and the, 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 the opposite of hope is despair, right? So I hang my hat on the, the side of hope. Many have, uh, and as you've alluded to, uh, said this is an American issue, not a, ca- a Canadian issue. Some say it's a policing issue. As you point out, though, this is a societal issue, and these systems have fallen to where they are because of where society is. Is that accurate? It's very accurate. It's very accurate. And, and keep in mind that if we are talking about systems of male privilege, we are talking about systems of privilege based on nationality, we're talking about systems of privilege based on heterosexism in terms of of, of sexual uh, orientation, superiority, whatever the ism or the social injustice is, these systems are self-perpetuating. And as one writer says, power is never abdicated. Power has to be seen. So what does that mean? So where there's male privilege, Males are not going to voluntarily give up male privilege um, for for sexual equality, where there is systems of power hold on to that privilege, right? And only because of political or social or economic action are they really forced to elude some of that power and usher in social equality. So this is what we are seeing now, from a moment to a movement in terms of groups of people coming together and saying that the murder of our black and brown brothers and sisters is not okay. But the reality is this murder has been taking place insidiously. If you look at the child welfare system, the majority of the individuals in the child welfare system are black and brown individuals. You look at the prison system, it's black and brown individuals. So this stifling of, of second-class citizenship has been happening systematically across many types of, of service systems. This is just a manifestation of that. With the history that you first explained with, with American history and now brought into a more broader scope with societal uh, systems and such, with a history with the history that is there, how do you move this discussion forward? You talked about marches. Then what? How do we actually change this? How do we? How how does society react to the killing of a black man in in front of everybody's eyes? How how can we take that 
and actually change things? Well, so can we? You're asking for the actual action step. So part of it is one: we have to start having an honest conversation about race, not just in America, but also race in Canada and racism in Canada and social inequality in Canada. So again, we look at COVID-19 and we know that in the United States, as we absolutely suspect is happening here in Canada as well, that this is falling disproportionately on the backs of black and brown individuals. And all this is related to social inequality and poverty. Poverty is a disease to our collective health. And the reality is there's a racialization of poverty in the United States, as well as a racialization of poverty in Canada. So let's just talk about poverty in the United States for a second. It's no longer a wage gap. Folks have talked about a wage chasm. At a current rate, it would take black families 228 years to achieve income parity with the average white family in the United States. Similar patterns are also happening in Canada with the indigenous people and with racialized poor in Canada. So one, we need to have an honest conversation about race, about racism, about social inequality. We need to have an honest conversation and not tiptoe around it. Uh, We need to collect data in terms of health disproportionalities, uh, educational disproportionalities. We need to pretend no longer that we live in a colorblind society. Right, and that while we strive to have all Canadians value the same, we realize that all Canadians do not have the same experience. So we need to collect racialized identity uh, data. Two, we need to realize that we are all part of a global society, and I think COVID has reminded us of this. The social ills in one society impacts us all. So why care about these issues is because it affects us all. Every time you see an image of George Floyd, we are traumatized, not just members of the black and brown community, but white individuals are traumatized by seeing this. It's a collective trauma we all experience as a result of this. Progressive groups that focus on social equality, individuals of all races who believe in, in social and economic justice, need to also support those groups, support those groups with their efforts, with their finances. When they are called for economic boycotts, they also need to be a part of that. Individuals in positions of power need to realize that racism is not dependent upon the act of of individual characters, but racism is embedded in societal structures. So even if someone were not to say a racist word for the next 24 hours, racism will still exist because it's embedded in our institutions, in government, in schools, in service centers, in in social services. It's embedded throughout society. So we need to start looking at our service deliveries. We need to look at our policies, at our politics, and make sure that it is inclusive When we are thinking about educational programs, when we are thinking about service delivery, make sure that the voices of racialized individuals are part of those conversations so that we are working with those communities and not acting on those communities. So they're they're really very concrete things that we can all do to move towards uh, a more equal and just society. 
Uh, we've only got about a minute left, Dexter. What are your thoughts? What should we be teaching the young people? We hear the next generation can solve this. What? How do we present this? What do you say to the young people who are watching this all unfold? Well, I think the young people need to teach us. You know, <laughs> I think the young people, look at the folks who are marching mm. in the streets. It's the young people. So we really need to listen to the future leaders of tomorrow. And we really need to be taught by them. Listen to their voices. Listen to their diverse perspectives. And we've seen young people of every race, every creed, every color in the streets. We need to understand the lesson that they have learned that our generation has not yet learned. Dexter, fascinating discussion. We'll chat again. Thank you so much for the time. Be well. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.